to the double up podcast i'm your host double up and we're here to connect perspectives today we got another special guest in the building a good friend of mine my brother for real mr smook thomas in the building we're gonna be tapping into his journey man talking about how he grew up in quincy florida made it out playing ball where we met in Rollin, missouri playing at missouri s&t and now he's transitioned the brother is writing books the brother is an entrepreneur and he's really demonstrating the change that we want to be. Let's tap in. Real quick. Okay. I don't need our shit going in and out like Teddy Riley and Nelly and shit. <laughs> Alright, we should be good now. But dog, I appreciate you making the time for it, man. I know you got a lot going on right now, G. Every time I see you hustling, you cooking up something, you got some type of business, you got a way to take care of your peoples, man. I always respected that, G. So before we get to, to your book, we're going to definitely push that because that's what I want to talk to you about and promote. But um, really really talk about your story while we on here, man, because we met in college, and it was crazy being yeah. in Rolla, Missouri, and knowing that we had people from all parts of the country. Like, it was players coming in from Cali, from Florida, from Michigan. So it was like... Once we understood that we was already to play ball, that was like our common denominator that we all had, was passionate about. We also recognized who was real. Like, even though we was from different neighborhoods, it was a certain code and a certain way that people carried themselves, man. So, like, yeah, just just tell me a little bit about where you grew up and how you had that code established in you and what you saw as your, your path to being successful. Well, man, I'm, so I'm from Quincy, Florida. It's a small town. Um, it's called Tallahassee, Florida. That's where everybody uh, pretty much familiar with. I mean, pretty much coming up my entire life, man, it was all sports. Um, and then I did have, you know, cousins and uh, close relatives that was involved in the street. So I was able to have that sports side of me and that uh, street code side of me that, you know, um, like, so, that's all my life, man, and I pretty much, uh, that, uh, do, it was, but, um, if it ain't sports, um, you either, and, and, I feel like if I didn't take that sports role, I probably would have been full-fledged, that just, you know, that's just where I come from. Yeah, it ain't too different in St. Louis, man, because all my peoples was in the streets. My my pops, like, he was somebody that came into my life when I was six, and he raised me just like I was his son. But he never really understood the value of... Well, he understood the value of education, don't get it twisted, but he never just jumped onto that. That wasn't for him. And being in the streets, he learned that you got to carry yourself a certain way to be respected and to be protected, to protect your loved ones. So, like, when I was coming up, I definitely saw the streets as 
as an opportunity, but I saw it more as a deterrent because I think that people who not really close to it, they don't see the downfalls of it. They don't see your people's out here doing bad. They don't see your people's out here going to jail or your people's getting killed. They just kind of like just hear the music or they just see the movies and they think that that's what's, what's glorified. What was it like from your perspective, like being a little bit closer to it? Did it make you more enamored by it or, or was you more deterred from it? I, I, I can you know, I, I know the results from that is pretty much dead in jail. And honestly, man, I couldn't, especially being in, and, um, you know, I, I have other, that being, you know, just kind of wanted me to, wanted to chat was 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 the people that was challenging you to do better was they the ones that you felt like you could really trust because i know we always heard like you should do the right thing you should stay out of the streets you should go to school but we don't have a lot of people demonstrating it was it anybody that that demonstrated the the right way to go about being successful to you that you was like all right this is who i kind of need to stay up under It was that would tell me, you know, you you don't need to do this. Uh, you don't need, but they never really showed me, you know, this is what you need to be doing and this is how you should do it. I pretty much had to find that on my own, man. And the, the, the way that I found, you know, when I was in school, because at one time, I mean, I would rely so. Like, can you disconnect from the Wi-Fi? Uh, turn the TV off from. Fall on. Like, yo, you either gonna just get better at home, a low light, and you know I'm not finna settle. So with that being said, I felt like if I would have went back home and um, you know, just dropped out of school and just went back home, I, I probably would have went full fledged in the streets, man. Injury really is what what. What, what, what's it like in Florida, G? Because from my perspective, when I was coming up in high school, they used to always say, hey, man, why you out here lacking? It's, it's somebody in Florida running hills. It's a boy in Florida chasing rabbits down there. Y'all out here being lazy. Like, it, was it real like that for y'all coming up, G? When y'all was, was, was training to, to get ready for high school ball? What's the culture for it like that? What, what's the culture down there for it? Man... Rabbit part is more so down south, man. That's more yeah. just uh competing every day. I mean, I mean, that's the only opportunity that the average kid right now, what you want to be when you grow up, they're probably going to tell you football, basketball, or rapper. That's it. So with that being said, you got everybody facing that coming, uh, that goal. You know, we're just pushing each other. So when when most kids probably was out, you know, hanging out in the summer times, man, we we were actually <laughs> not. So that's the way we looked at it. Yeah, man, because 
I could see it when you got to Raleigh, bro. Like, you had a different type of dog in you. Like, as a true freshman, one, you expected to play and expected to start. Like, that wasn't even something you was challenged about. You was like, once I get to Raleigh, I'm coming here to play ball. What was it? Yeah, man, I appreciate that compliment too, bro. Yeah, I saw it, bro. Was it a was it a, a culture shock getting to Raleigh from Florida? Like, cause I know you got an accent. You got you had dreads at the time, and Raleigh is yeah. middle of Missouri. It ain't even like St. Louis. It's like country town. You know what I'm saying? So like, what was that change when you had to jump off into middle of nowhere Missouri from Quincy, Florida? Man, look so. So I, I I came to Raleigh without even taking a visit. I knew nothing about the school. All I knew at the time, I wanted to major in engineering and I wanted to play football. And I wanted um, the, the coach to use me the same way that I was being used in high school. So pretty much just kind of moved me or shuffled me around mm-hmm. and all that. So, so as soon as I got off the plane, I met uh, Coach Josh Richards. And yeah. I had never met him before, but that was weird. We had to do like a two-hour drive going to Rolla. <laughs> and Coach Richards is a little different man, I, too, man. I don't um, you know. It's predominantly black. Um, it's a small town, and I'm like, okay, it don't get no worse than where I come from. So I'm already, I should be used to everything. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking as I'm riding. So as I get to uh, get to Rolla. For me, man, I've seen so many Caucasian in my entire life, man. So um, I knew I would have to make some adjustments along the way. I kind of did them on my own terms, man. But uh, you know, just the, the way that I taught, people always I feel like stuff bothered me mm-hmm. just because I had thick skin. But, um, you know, I did get looked at a certain type of way. I did get judged. And then every time I talk, I said what I said. So it was crazy, man. But, hey, look, I made it out, bro. I made it out. Straight up, Jen, you made it out being you, bro. That's the realest thing you could ever do, man. And, like, I think that when you look back and you reflect on your time at Rolla, you know that that Smook put the stamp on the city. It wasn't like the city put the stamp on Smook. And so now, mm-hmm. going forward, and even, I don't even want to skip over college, so I want to talk about it in college. So like, while we was in school, bro, and, and competing, being a, a, a dog and wanting to be at the highest level, what would you say to somebody that had to take that step back and then get to go D1, but still felt like we was talented? Because I was the same way, bro. I felt like, I should have been at Texas or Bama. Like, somebody should have recruited me higher than I was at. Like, how did you stay motivated to still want to prove yourself even though you wasn't at Florida or you wasn't at Miami or something? Man, my um, mentor told me, um, his name is Harrison Smith. He the one that helped me get in school. He told me, man, listen, at this day and age, they're going to find you. If, if you're a baller, they're they going to find you. only thing you got to do is just go in and put up the stats and um, just work hard. And they will find you. And that's, I mean, that's pretty much what I did. Mm-hmm. I knew I had to work twice as hard. I always had that chip on my shoulder. And I, I knew that I had to um, prove myself to every everybody that was watching. So, I mean, for anybody who want to go D1, because everybody aspires to go D1, 
Um, if you D two, D three, D, I mean N A um N A double I, what is it called again? N A I, yeah, yeah. N A I, um, I mean, as long as you work hard, and if you're a true baller like you say you are, uh, you have that confidence, and you just go in, give you a hundred and ten percent every. And it's something that you can't really, I can't tell somebody how to be a dog. Like, I can only bring it out of you. You know what I'm saying? Like when you get in those pressure situations and you you got to make a play and you was the dude that people knew, third down, ball coming to smoop. So like they done game planned against you. They done tried to figure out how to get the ball out of your hands, but you're still putting up these numbers. What was it about your specific preparation for the game that made you so effective, even though people were trying to stop you? The, the, well, the part that people didn't see, man, every single day, every single night, I watched film and I studied my opponent. Um, I mean, even in class, I should have I should have been paying attention in class, <laughs> but I was focused on what I was in college to do. It's sad to say that, but, you know, I'm just being real. I was in school to go to the NFL. So um, I watched film day and night, and then whatever my opponent weaknesses was, that, that, his weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Because at, even at our level, G, most of the skill position guys, the cast that's all conference, and, like, on your level, G, are good, bro. So you're not finna go out yep. there and just because it's D2 think you finna go crazy on niggas. Like, you better be really having your game together and your preparation together through that film study you talking about. Was was it hard to... Was it hard to ever get comfortable knowing that I'm, I'm switching quarterbacks, but my coaching staff is kind of fluid? Like, what was it from your perspective at Rolla having... Um, Coach Browner having firm at quarterback, but then that season being kind of completely different than any other season that we had had before at Rolla. Yeah, I, he kind of he changed the culture to what I was expecting. You know, where I come from, it's all football, so we that's what we eat. So, um, Set the culture. He cut my ass, <laughs> sent me home for a year to get my mind right. Like, what? Right, you think you, you think you the shit. You think you, you top notch around here. I'ma humble you real, real quick, man. Like, was that something? Like, cause I don't know. I was on the outside at the time. Did y'all feel like, damn, that nigga just cut Will or he cut anybody around here? Did that really change the culture in y'all mind? With me. 
he came um, transfers in. Yeah. When I when I saw the type of players that he was bringing in, I knew at that point that he was coming to win. Yeah. JUCO transfers came from California, so yeah. Well, you know, I watched the boys' films before they. Came. Oh, yeah. I was trying to win, so I already knew he had an exit strategy in place. It was okay, just, okay. <laughs> I ain't know, I ain't know all that smooth. I ain't see the film when Nick's coming, bro. I might have stepped in a little different. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I can tell. You're coming. Twelve guys, man. Mm-hmm. Just transferred. Yeah. Nah, that was real, G, and like that got me right, bro. Like I hated it at the moment. I was sick, bro, watching y'all play and not being able to be out there. And shit, in hindsight, it, it helped me. I got an extra year of eligibility, and yeah, that worked yeah. out. But Coach Brown was... You took advantage of that, too, bro. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was the best for you. Yeah, G, and Coach Brown changed me as a player. He, he taught me discipline as a man. And all of the techniques that he taught me, bro, that's what I be coaching these youngins on now. Like, he, the coach that... Even when I got to the league, I'm still like, bro, y'all don't even know as much as Coach Brown taught me at DB. So I, I forever be in debt to Coach Brown. I still reach out to him and talk to him every now and then, bro. But, like, when when you got to school, you talk about how much you was focused on football, and a lot of us were. That was, like I said, we was in Rolla. But we also noticed that this was an engineering school. What Was that yeah. – your first introduction to engineering, did you know a lot about the, the career or did you um, ever get tapped in with people who are just now being engineers and, and going into that school and that being their focus? Like, what was that uh, kind of perspective for you seeing that some people were really here just to be engineers and don't even care about sports at all? I mean, it was more so, um, I had an interest with electrical appliances and things like that so when i kind of did my research before going to school um and this was when i when i was contemplating giving up football i was kind of seeing what was going to be so you know when i took the career interest test and things like that everything pretty much came back engineering and then that's when i started doing my research um i I think at that point i didn't even know what engineering was i really didn't too much but it was good um, you know, you know, did my research on engineering. I said, you know what, man, I think this is what I want to do, and I feel like I want to be at that. Mm-hmm. So, as my coach was looking for schools for me to go to, I kind of made it difficult for him because I told him, I said, you know, only way I'm going to go to school, um, I got to be able to major in engineering. Um, mm-hmm. I got to be able to play the positions that I want to play. At that same time, the coach to use me, I was using in high school. Mm-hmm. So um, when I when I got there, it was eye opener for me because I really didn't know. And, and that was a deal breaker to me, man. Mm-hmm. So to make a long story short, I did go there for engineering specifically for mm-hmm. engineering, but you know I didn't I didn't end I didn't stay with engineering. And that's because of me being lazy. Mm. Now, I don't want to put that all on you, G, because, of course, we, we hard workers, but we only know how to work hard at what we're exposed to. Now, now, uh-huh. now, coming up, would you say that in middle school and high school, you was exposed to being an engineer or just being uh, 
something that was a creator, something that you are the designer of this business, you're the designer of this product. Like, what was your 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 exposure level to different career opportunities that was just not the the norm that you were just seeing in the streets or playing ball? Subjects, math, science, mm-hmm. uh, social studies, and language arts. That was it. That's I mean, it. they didn't <laughs> any extra. And you just wasn't on my own. Some things, you know, to see how it worked um, and what makes certain things work. So that's how I fell in love with it. But yeah. if it wasn't for me um, exploring, then, you know, who knows, man? But I, I guess yeah. a lot of kids are behind and they don't really get exposed to things. So, you know, I mean, I'm just, and Quincy Floor, there's way more stuff out here in the world. And I, you know, I hate, I've so much because it was a base to go to where I was uncomfortable and at the same time uh stay focused and locked in on, on the goals and the dreams that I had at the time. Yeah, yeah. And that's you get growth when you get uncomfortable. Like when you in somewhere yeah, that's it, it's meant to <laughs> got 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 the dog and jumped up. She wants to say what's up really quick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when you when you go through those uncomfortable stages, that's when the growth really take place, man. And I came to Rollup really focused on engineering too. I was exposed to science and technology early, and like I say, I always had a knack for it. I was good in school, but I wasn't really challenged. Like I, I got A's all through high school, and when I got to college in Rollup, bro, them was some different type of classes, bro. I'm talking about. The niggas got in them calculus classes, them physics classes, boy. I'm talking about you think you're smart, bro. How hard do you want to work, man? Like, what do you, what do you think about what you think about the dynamic of athletes in college, especially athletes that's making a lot of money at these big time schools? I mean, not, they not making money, but the schools is making a lot of money. Do you think that they should even begin nurtured and learning more about these careers so that they can? Uh, just find about find more about entrepreneurship. Find out more about engineering, whatever they interested in. Or do you think that it's it's better for those resources to be focused on them playing ball because that's how you end up getting to the NFL? Man, with me, honestly, I say uh, it's better for them to learn about entrepreneurship and careers and things like that because we do we we know everybody want to go to the NFL, but it's only a small be as talented as you want mm-hmm. um, and even make it to the NFL but can you can you can you turn your money over to other things because we yeah. you know if you, you you become a millionaire that money is not going to last forever no. so you got to have some type of um, knowledge to be able to run businesses so that you can keep your money growing so the way I live uh, just be as versatile as possible because uh, with, with me just like Then we drop smooth for a second and wait for the internet to come in. 
Okay, we back now. We all good. Can you hear me, Smoke? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, my fault. I had dro you dropped out at the end, bro. But the the thing that I, I heard you say last was, like, with you knowing about entrepreneurship and how to handle money. Like I say, I always knew you was a hustler, bro. And I, I'm from yeah. St. Louis, so, like, city full of hustlers. I had the same mentality. And when I got to school, bro, I started doing, like, shit I shouldn't have been doing. And it's like, once once we first got to Rolla, we was in some of our same old habits from being back home. I wanted to hustle the same way. And now shit, statute of limitations up on me now, so I can speak on it. Like, niggas was out here dealing, I was hustling. Like, what would you say to youngins that get to school and want to stay in those st same habits, man, because they just trying to pay their rent? Because we ain't get the big refund checks all the time, or we ain't have the D1 stipends and all of that money, we was really in college trying to get it on our own and trying to take care of ourselves. We don't got people that can send us money. We don't got people that can just take care of it for us. Like, what would you say to the young and that's trying to get out of that situation in college? Uh, just be patient. That's, that's things that we kind of lack. Um, we and uh, right now and we want to instantly um, you know just keep working hard know what you want to do in life like I said just be just continue to be a hard worker continue to have perseverance man and just uh, just think about your end goal that, that that's the message that I would give to an individual that's trying to you know trying to get away from that lifestyle yeah, yeah, but you, I, it, we see it though, bro. It'd be like right in our face, especially yeah. with social media now. It's like we see everybody getting to it, everybody making money. And now, yeah. the way I talk to my young brothers is like, you could be hustling, you could be shining, but you could do it legally too, bro. Like, I didn't know, oh, yeah. and we oh, didn't yeah. have, the, the internet was just getting popping in terms of social media when we was in college. We knew about how to get mm -hmm. on there and talk shit and have fun. But we ain't know how to get on there and do business. And so, like, that's the game that I think we can give to the youngest and especially the young athletes with a platform who got people that's fans that could be customers. Like, when when you talk to people about uh -huh. taking that next step and what was what was your motivation? Because I know you, you, you graduated with, with a business degree, right? Yeah, came out with business. Right, so... What was your motivation for for getting the young boss group that that clothing line and that lifestyle going? Man, honestly, that was that was just something you know. Me and my cousin, um, by the way, got you know he he's no longer here with me, uh, Lone Little Frost. But that was something that we kind of created, and we just started out just playing with it. You know, just made some shirts for ourselves and um, posted it up on social media. Everybody said they wanted one, yeah. so. Man, I just took advantage of that. Well, we just took advantage of that. Um, you know, with my with my cousin, you know, he was pretty much the, the hype guy with it, and I was pretty much the the, um, the business mindset behind. And uh, back home, so I just pretty much man invested some money. Uh, just got a lot of shirts made. It was that social media platform, man, and that's pretty much where um, all of my my social media business started from. From mm -hmm. that, that one, and I mean, life hasn't been the same since then. I can't even lie, man. Uh, because they always taught us how to get a nine to five and how to go get that salary. And 
what what that look like. They ain't show us what you run up a thousand sales in a week. What that look like. They ain't tell us like, I right, you can get uh, these properties and you can rent them out and you can write it off on your taxes so you pay less taxes. Like they ain't, they ain't give us these keys, bro. So it's like it's almost our our, our duty as the the young the young OGs. Who still yeah. got influence in the neighborhood? Who can still go out there and politic with the youngest? And it, it hit a little different than when the the old heads, the 40, 50 year olds, they got game to give. Don't get it twisted, but one, they got a little less patience. Like them old niggas don't be, yeah. they don't be trying to be patient <laughs> with them young niggas at all, bro. At all, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, have you ever seen that in the neighborhood in Florida? Like, what is it like the 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 OG? Young in relationship from your perspective in the hood is it the youngest just wild and not listening at all, or do you feel like the OGs just don't got enough direction to really give them? Man, these days, man, it's more so the kids listen to people who they can relate to, mm-hmm. and they it is crazy because I work with kids now, so I see it on a daily basis. So the kids nowadays they don't know the definition of respect, mm-hmm. so they can see an older person talking to them. And they probably won't listen due to the simple fact that, oh, this person, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. And, mm-hmm. they, you know, in their head, they're saying, you know, this is the new way. Yeah. But, man, if I can just walk without even knowing them just because I look like I'm around the same, same age as them. Yeah. So, you know, I know the OGs in the hood, they're trying, they trying to help out. But these kids these days, it's just so reckless. And the only thing they know is, oh, they old. They don't know what they're talking about. I ain't trying to hear all that. Mm-hmm. So the OG is trying to help, but, you know, the younger generation not not trying to hear it. No, me. Like, so, you know, it's on, it's on us, man. You know, our mm-hmm. age group to kind of reach down and, and get the youth going in the direction that they need to go in. Yeah, yeah, bro. How, how you, like, push back against people who say, man, it's because of the music they listen to. It's because of the movies. It's because of the way that y'all talk. Like, how do you, like, kind of talk about keeping the culture? Because I do think it's important for us to treat each other like kings and queens. But at the same yeah. time, I'm going to listen to some ratchet shit. I'm going to turn up. I'm going to play some, oh, yeah. some some music that my granny going to be mad at. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> it's like, I feel like we got to be able to demonstrate another way. But let them know that this is entertainment. Let them know that this yeah. is like somebody telling a story of what they went through, not what you should do yourself. Is it, yep. is it, is it hard to, to have that conversation with people to, to be somebody that's a part of the culture? Like you like being flash, you like having nice things, but you also handle your business. Like, how do you find that, that balance between it? Man, you know, with the kids that I work with, I just kind of just keep it real with them, man. I say, Hey, listen, you know, I listen to some of the same music y'all listen to. And even when I was y'all age, I, I listened to that type of music too. But I was able to understand that most of the stuff that they rapping about is probably not true. Mm-hmm. And they probably did it in the past. And, you know, I just tell the kids, they telling you, you know, the struggle that they had to go through to get to where they are now. Mm-hmm. So any music that you listen to, let that get on your grind to go do the things that you want to um that you need to do in order to be who you're trying to be. So, uh, and that's the way that I use it in my life. Like, yeah. But, shirts, I'm going to be 
probably in the house listening to the music, thinking about ideas of um, a high. It see that number of shirts that I'm trying to sell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a hustler mentality, G. Is it? And I know, I know you being a booth too, bro. I ain't forgot, my niggas. What? What? Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. We still in the booth. We still in the booth. Yeah, that's what I like to hear, man. Is it? For me, music <laughs> has always been like I put it. I don't say it's a passion because I don't really like working at it. I put things in different categories. You got skills. Skills are things you develop. Things that you are you interested in, and so you got to put in work to learn it. Then you got things that you just innately know how to do. Like, you just might be a natural athlete. Those type of things. Then you got things that you're passionate about. These are the things that I'm interested in, but I'm going to work daily to make sure that this gets done because I got a purpose tied to this. And the last category is hobbies. Mm -hmm. Shit that you just like to do for fun. And I put music in the category of shit that I just like to do for fun because I love it. I feel like I can rap. And it's like a, a form of self-therapy, you know what I'm saying? Really being able to talk through your thoughts and talk through your, your, your mental process and, and express yourself, man. So, like, what what made you get into music and, and, and want to rap and, and do you still do it now? Like, what's the status? With music, I've been doing music since, man, probably since I was about 13, yo. That's <laughs> about a long time. And I mean, I, I feel like I'm good at it. Uh, mm-hmm. It was just something that I was doing for fun. Um, and the status that I'm at with it, pretty much still doing it for fun. But due to the, the career path that I'm in right now, I just kind of uh, come. Eventually, it's going to come out. And I just like to go on a book, man. Just like you say, just for therapy, man. Just kind of hear myself over beats. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can just vibe out to my own story, man. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's important, man, especially now that we get more aware of what, what mental health is. And when I was younger, oh, yeah. it was yeah. just like my people, I had a, I had an uncle, man, Uncle Terry. Like, Terry just be wigging sometimes. And back then, ain't nobody want to talk yeah. about it. Ain't nobody really understand why he was wigging. They know he used to be normal, but all of a sudden he wigging. Like, nah, what happened to Terry? Like, it's things in our families that we don't always unpack. It's things that we look at as, ah, man, that's some white people shit talking about mental illness, or that's some some white people shit worrying about your health and wellness. Like, is it hard having those conversations, or is it easier now that you you getting older and you can demonstrate it when you got family, you got youngins, what's those conversations like when you're asking about just, just how they thinking, what's they, they mental well-being, and, and also trying to get them healthy? Because I know you take care of yourself, so naturally you're going to be checking your homies like, what's up, we, we in shape? What's, what's the word? Like, what's that like for you? Man, no, just... Like issues, uh, you know, I always put them to the side and just talk to them, man, and say, hey, man, hey, we need to get you some help, man, before this thing get out of control. So, you know, I'm just one of those type of guys I don't, you know, I, if I love you, I'm going to look out for you. And I feel like if I'm looking out for you, I got to keep it 100 with you at all times. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I to this, to this uh, individuals me bringing up, you know, the the mental health awareness to them. So, and at the same time, I have to look out for myself, man, because you know we play football, and that thing can yeah. sneak up on us too. So, uh, just like I preached to somebody else, you know, I would hope somebody would do the same. Yeah, 
Yeah, at least let me know if I get the tweak and be like, bro, you might want to get your pre-CTE scan, you know, like, I don't know what's going yeah. on with your mental, but just, I ain't going to lie, bro, you might remember, it was a game against, uh, was that Andy? I think it might have been Andy, bro, I got a concussion in the middle, like, in the second quarter, bro, and I came to the sideline, G, and niggas had took my helmet, like, Moody had took my helmet away, bro, and it wasn't like we was playing D1 or nothing, so. It wasn't, uh, it was a home what, game. Was that, was that, it was a way or home? It was a home game. It was against. So we got a concussion at the same, same game. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, bro, it was the same. I remember you do, did get a concussion that game too, bro. And so, like, that was just yeah. our mentality, bro, that, like, especially in D2, we felt like we didn't have a backup that was going to come in and do what we do. And we was really just trying to win. And it's hard to protect yep. ourselves from ourselves sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of young athletes now, we call them, we, we, I ain't gonna lie, I do it sometimes. I call them soft because they cry a lot. They they do flopping. I don't know when flopping came into the game in basketball. But all of a sudden, that- that's just what they doing now. But at the same time, we can't call them soft when they trying to look out for their well-being, when they trying to uh, just kind of express themselves that we might see it as complaining. What what you think about players now, especially college players, taking that leverage and saying, "I right, we might not even play this season unless we get these terms for the for the college players in terms of I don't know if you saw, but the Pac-12 players were saying that we won't uh, share revenue, we won't um, name, image, and likeness. They had a list of things that they was demanding, and then they was also saying that. Uh, we want to be able to have an option to play or not amongst this pandemic. Like, what's your thoughts on players um, using their voices and trying to get more out of the system that's that's been using them so far? Man, hey, I salute it for real. Because, you know, everybody's starting to step up. Um it's really kind of hard for me to tap in on that just because, you know, I'm not in that D1 aspect, so I'm really on the outside looking in. Yeah. You know, uh, with me, you know, I'm more so, I want to get at it, I want to go at it, but who knows how it'd be. No, I'm sure, man, they put in way more hours than we put in at a D2. Yeah. So I can, you know, only imagine how they feel at this time. So, I mean, if you feel like you're uh, if I was in that situation, I'm never going to let nobody take advantage of me. So yeah. I salute them, man. I'm standing up for themselves. No, that's 100%, G. And I, I felt the same way because I immediately thought, yeah, it's easy for me to say that I wouldn't play at Rolla or I would play at Rolla because it ain't nothing on the line. It ain't no money on the yeah. line. I didn't think I was going to go to the league from Rolla, so I was like, I didn't think that was on the line. If I wanted to sit out the game, I'd sit out the game if I felt like I really wanted to make that stand. But I also felt like I ain't got that much leverage in Rolla. Like, ain't nobody paying attention to what the fuck people doing on the football team in Rolla, Missouri, as opposed to, like, people that's playing for Bama or people that's playing at Florida. Like, that's a different type of leverage that you got. And so I definitely want them to stay empowered, but I want them to learn about the history of, of one the systemic racism in sports and how it was a time when black athletes couldn't play at all. 
Then it was a time when black athletes couldn't be quarterbacks. Then you couldn't be coaches. Then you like it's still going on today. So like, especially exactly. this is what I want to ask you, especially now seeing somebody like Lamar Jackson being the NFL MVP, completely changing the game. Like he he speak like somebody that's from where you from. He look like somebody that's from where you from. Like what what you think that does for the inspiration of the youth, rather than just thinking that you got to have a a cookie cutter image and be perfect if you want to be an MVP. Man, with, see with kids these days, um, it, it kind of how can I put it? Make them feel like they can they can achieve their goals and dreams. Yeah. Well, where from you know that's all we want to do. We want to be at the, we want to hit the NFL. We want to hit. Uh, the NBA. So when you got a Lamar Jackson, then let's just get from my area. That's privilege. Man, football for them is on a whole nother level, yeah. man. They start football probably at eight. Mm-hmm. And that's all they know. I'm talking about you have eight year olds probably outwork um, a high school individual. So yeah. th- that just gives the kids that much more hope mm-hmm. that they can make it. Was it, are you tapped in the with the? Oh, no, go ahead. Huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Now I'm finna say, you know, at the same time, you know, the kids just gotta understand, man. You gotta have a backup plan because mm-hmm. everybody can't walk through those NFL gates. Mm-hmm. So even though he is giving us a lot of hope, at the same time, we gotta have that backup plan to fall back on. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't want a kid to say, okay, Lamar Jackson made it. He from where I'm from. He looked like me. He talked like me. Mm-hmm. Um, he act like me. Uh, so. I can make it too. If he made it, I can make it too. So mm-hmm. they just got to have a backup plan in place. Yeah, G. And one thing I encourage you to think about is just your language with it. Because I'm the same way. You know, I'm big on being multifaceted, making sure you got, you diversify your hustles, you feel me? And so when I tell people, I tell them, like, instead of having a backup plan, make this a life plan. Like, what you going to do with yeah. your NFL money? Like, if you got $50 million right now, what would you do? And a lot of them don't even know the answer to that. And so, like, that's when you got to really start to challenge yourself and think about a long-term plan. Like, all right, I get a big bag of money. Do I want to start some businesses? Do I want to get some property? Do I want to invest in my people's businesses? Like, it's a lot of options that you got. But if you get to that point with no plan, you're going to be looking crazy out here and you're going to lose it real fast. And so, I... I, like I say, I encourage you to just kind of think about it that way when you're talking to them because nobody be wanting to hear that, get a plan B, have a backup plan. you like, mm-hmm. man, nigga, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you type shit. And yeah. I think that, especially like somebody like Lamar Jackson, he was somebody that I see, seemed like was always trying to prove himself. It, it, what, is the high school scene in Florida, I know you tapped in, you know what's going on. Did y'all see that coming with Lamar Jackson? Was he like a phenom or was he just another good player? Oh, yeah, 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 man. You can kind of tell the players going to the NFL. Uh, You can just, so many players, like Gavin Cook, for example, the same way. You can just tell, man, if they get out of trouble, oh, he going to the NFL. That's all you got to do to stay out of trouble. Yeah, yeah. Is it it wild seeing, like, somebody like A.B. just kind of wig out now, man, who was at the top of the game, and now he can't even get on the roster? Yeah, man, that's real crazy, man, just to be so talented, man. And now it's just kind of... Now you just getting, you know, blocked from the NFL for real, man. So, 
man. I hope he, I hope he able to get back in. But you know, right now it's just kind of looking a little ugly, man. But at the same time, you know, he brought it on himself. So. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 tough because you want to support our brothers the world thing, and you also gotta hold them accountable at the same time. And that's something that people are talking about, especially when it comes to police brutality, social injustice. Is that it's not just about uh, if officers are doing things wrong or if people are being racist. It's like are y'all being held accountable for this shit? Like once y'all do it, yep. what's what's the justice? And it's not taking place. Is it has there ever been experiences for you personally where you felt like? Man, the police they they got me fucked up. Like this is this is wrong and and this is my experience that I tell people that let them know that this is not something we making up. Man, listen. I done been through I can think of three just like that, right off the top of my head, you know, to where I was put in situations like that. And um man, you know, I'm just fortunate that, you know, one of the situations, you know, we was just in the car, me and my cousin, and it was probably like three o'clock in the morning. And my cousin just had his hand, uh, bes- uh, you know, beside it on his thigh. Mm-hmm. And I get moved, officer, like, what you doing? I mean, they could have lit us up then, but mm-hmm. this was before, it was probably when I was 18, so this was before everything started here in social media. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just say, man, just comply. I mean, even if you're guilty, you got to comply. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you don't, you know, you kind of put yourself in harm's way um, for, and for danger to just come about. So just comply mm-hmm. and, you know, if you if you are living uh doing illegal things man you know you just got to be smart um with the way you move because you know once you get put in the jam you can't blame nobody but yourself because you already know okay i'm doing dirt so i know what comes with doing dirt so now i just got to face myself those consequences no me i i talked to an officer about it man and he was like the the streets the the niggas that's in the streets got to play the game righteous if they want the police to play the game righteous meaning that if you get caught, you get jammed up. Don't put me in a situation where I might have to I might have to shoot you, bro. Like, make sure you got your money, get your lawyer. Let's go to court, fight your case. And if you get out and do it again, I might see you in the streets later on. Like that's how he put it to me. It's like I ain't saying that you're going to jail when I arrest you, but let's just make sure we handle business and hopefully you got your business together and we gonna see each other in court. And I think that's fair, bro. Mm-hmm. I think that if if yeah. if cats approach the situation like that, but enough cats ain't playing the game righteous, you in the streets just on bullshit. You ain't really got no money for the lawyer. You ain't really even got no purpose for why you hustling. So then when you get jammed up, you want to take it out on the officer. You want to you want to check him. You want to get tough with him, and he might be having a fucked up day, or he might be racist. Either one. But mm-hmm. at that point, like you saying. You taking the control away. And so I agree, bro. I've been in plenty of situations where, not plenty, but at least at least five that I can think of that I did comply when I know that, all right, man, this is probably some bullshit, but I'm going to get out of this later. Or I think about it like, uh, I probably got away with some shit that I shouldn't have got away with. So this little slap on the wrist, I'll yeah. take that right now. You know what I'm saying? So... It's just how you got to look at it from your perspective. And I definitely still hold police accountable. Like, if you if you step out of line as an officer and you cross that line, I feel like you should have to go to court and go to, I mean, go to trial and, and go to prison just like anybody else. The problem is that's oh, yeah. that ain't what's been happening, man. What's your thoughts on the protest and 
Do you do you see any solutions through these protests? Even the players boycotting now. I don't know if you saw that today, but the NBA players said they ain't playing the playoffs today. Like, how you feel about all of that? Man, you know, I have to say you got to go a lot doing it. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to push your because that, that, that really don't make too much sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with the players standing up, I think that's major because now, you know, uh, as far as local protests and things like that, you know, just go about doing it the right way. Um you know, I, I know I, I did see that, you know, a lot of stuff was getting burnt down and stuff like that. You know, I, I'm not saying I'm for that, but, you know, sometimes, you know, you just, you just got to make that bold statement. And I think, you know, with the George Floyd case, I think, uh, you know, I think that statement was. Yeah. Now we're back. Well, one of them was shot and then the other guy was killed. Yeah. Honestly, man, I don't know how it's gonna get better, man. Uh, I feel like you know, I just don't. Um, and, and I, that's what it is. And one thing you can't teach a person, you can teach a person all the training you want. You cannot teach a person how to respond under pressure. Because mm-hmm. even we can go out and have a game. Um. When it's fourth and one, 20 seconds, well, I'm going to say fourth and five, mm-hmm. 20 some seconds left, and you driving the score, you know the play. Mm-hmm. I can, We can take on two right now. Mm-hmm. Is everybody on the offense going to stay set up with somebody to jump? Right. So that pressure is something that, you know, you just got to be built for, man. Mm-hmm. And that's an important point because we do put a lot of focus on talking about training protocols and mm-hmm. systems, but we're still dealing with people at the end of the day. And like I said yep. before, somebody could just be having a bad day. Somebody could be nervous. Somebody could just have a fucked up opinion of you. And so mm-hmm. I look at it as a three-pronged attack with solutions on this shit. Because, like, I'm not going to drive myself crazy, but I am passionate about it. And I am involved in it because I'm a young black man. I got two young brothers who, like, coming up. And one day, Lord willing, I may have a son. So, like... The three things I tell people to focus on right now, man, is one, if you're going to be involved, if you're over 18, vote for somebody, man. Like, go out there, learn about your local councilmen, learn about your governors. Even if you don't know everything, use your vote, because then you got a right to complain. And number two, your tax money is going into this regardless. If somebody, if you Mm -hmm. say you got $100, bro, every time. You got $100, you had to give somebody $40. After a while, you're going to wonder what the fuck they doing with that $40, bro. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, what are y'all exactly. doing with that, bro? So that's why I say we got to be involved in it just from a money perspective as a hustler, G. Like, know what's going on with that. Two, get your money right. So find out what's your skill, what's your passion, and how can you monetize that so that you can develop some type of ownership around your property, around your products, around your likeness, then you can make money and support your family off of that. If you got a product, a service, or you done built up an image, you're going to always make money. You don't even need a job, G. As long as you got one of those three, a product, a service, or a likeness, you can make some money. And then the third thing, bro, we got to have a spiritual awakening. Like People got to 
be be tuned in with it. Whatever their higher power is, you gotta look at another man and see a brother. You gotta look at a woman and see a sister, a queen, and that that hate. I can't I can't control what's in somebody else's heart, but I know how I can move. But I also know that exactly. it is hate out there. It is evil. So I'm I'm gonna stay dangerous, bro. Like I I recommend people have a, a weapon, a firearm if you can. Be responsible with it, but don't just think that staying safe is gonna keep you out of harm's way all of the time. Because it's it's things out here that we can't control from the day to day, like an officer having a bad day or a judge not trying to be lenient for somebody. Or even if you're just doing regular business, you got to protect yourself against people that's vultures, culture vultures especially, that know that black people, they got a lot of talent. They got a lot of uh, opportunity for me to get in with them and make some money off of them. And that's that's a fight that we've been fighting for a long time in, in all industries of entertainment, man. So, like, what what I wanted to end with, bro, is, is your book, man, because... Like like you say, when is it just and when is make it happen? What was your motivation yeah. for, for writing this book, uh, the Matt Fisher story? Uh, give us just a little preview on how this came about and what people should expect from it. Oh, uh, residential facility, you know, it's kind of like baby prison. So, you know, um, every time a new kid would come in, they would kind of look at me a certain way because in their head, it felt like, you know, my life was golden. Uh, you know, they, you know, what they call, and I, my, my, you know, so, you know, I just said, man, sat back and thought about it. And this was after I had left college. I was like, man, I done been through a lot of stuff. I done seen a lot of stuff, did a lot of things. Um, you know, I was just fortunate enough to make it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, passionate about helping the kids and I knew that I want my career field to be with helping the kids so mm-hmm. um, I just said man let me just write a book um, and like, the message of the book for real is just pretty much never quit never give up no matter what just make the necessary adjustments that you need to make in order oh man who was Matt Fisher so so <laughs> Man, it's me. Yeah, um, it's yeah. based on a true story. Um, everything in the book is true. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I did it that way. Well, I did it that way because, like I said, I really wasn't gonna let anybody know that it was me. But everybody kind of put two and two together. I was putting um, three and three together. I'm like, man, this nigga ain't making up no <laughs> no fairy tale. Nigga. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look. So yeah, so that's why that's why I did it that way, man. But like I said, it's based on a true story, and it will be a part two. Um, to it, and you know, more so going full in depth of everything that I experienced, more so like an autobiography. So that's the way that I'm gonna do the second one. That's live, bro. And like, I, I definitely big salute that man because I think well, the first thing I told him when we got on here, man, our stories is the real inspiration, and people yeah. are only gonna be able to connect and and it's gonna resonate when it's real because it's coming from a place that you ain't make up you don't really walk through these halls you don't really heard what the ogs was telling you and you applied it man a lot of people just get the game and they go in one ear and out the other but if you if you just can catch on to some of it 
about 70% mm. of the game that you get in, man. It's going to take you where you're supposed to be. And just knowing that yep. uh, I got a homie that's a published author, that, like, that's, that, that motivate me. I always thought about writing a book, man. So I know it's people that's around you that's super proud and super inspired by what you're doing, man. So I, I just want you to continue to do your thing. And whatever venture you got going on, I'm going to support it. You know, I already got my pre-order in 100%. Uh, hey, I appreciate that too, bro. Yeah, yeah, man. Any any way I can help you out on a collaboration with, with whatever you got going, man, just say the word, bro. Is it is there anything you want to leave the people with before we hop off? Nah, not for real, man. I mean, just, you know, the book come out September the 3rd. Um, I will have the link available. Um, it'll be available available on all platforms. So um, just go get the book. And like I say, no matter what you're going through, everybody goes through trials and tribulations, man. Just never quit and never give up. Uh, you know, like join. Everybody boys just kept going and just made the adjustment. So that's just my um, advice to everybody out there listening you want to be the best hairstyle in the, hairstylist in the world, uh, the best nail tech. You can be, you can do it. No nah, man, that's that's the realest thing, man. Cause like the book say, winners adjust through all them trials and tribulations, man. I always uh, one thing I post a lot. I don't know if you see it. It's a tag called "It's Call Your Loved Ones," man. So I'm big on that. Who, who, who will feel your love once you want to shout out real quick? Oh, uh, man, I want to shout out my mom, Marquita McMillan, uh, my coach, Harrison Smith. He played a big part of my life. Uh, my first boss, uh, Shannon Baker. Uh, you know, I ain't going to carry it too long. Just all my family, all my loved ones, man. Shout out to my boy, Twan Lonely. Yeah. <laughs> man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. And I'll like this, man. When I first seen you do that, um, call your loved ones. Man, that stuck with me a lot because, see, I feel like money take the place of time. And when I saw you put that that tag down, I was like, man, I need to start picking up the phone, calling my people, you know, making sure everybody good. So, bro, I never told you that, but I'm telling you this online oh, that, you know, everything you put that up, bro, that just stuck with me. Man, man, that's real, bro. I appreciate that, dog. Cause that's, that's the energy I've been trying to put out, man, because I know how busy we are and... Uh, rest in peace I had a fraternity brother Named Jonathan Hicks A great man He used to call us Like at 5 in the morning All the time bro Just because He was so busy Throughout his day But he cared about it So much That he at least Wanted us to know You got a missed call From me Or if you woke up I got a conversation yeah. For you And whatever you need I got you And I'm like Man this dude is Like a millionaire He done been in Hollywood He got thousands of friends and what was crazier bro is i found out he had this same relationship with every other capo that i met like around the state everybody was like john hicks like that's my guy that's my best friend like i talk to hicks every morning i'm like how you talk to hicks every morning i talk to hicks every morning and so like like for every, ever since then bro i never said i got an excuse especially with social media now you got a thousand ways to hit somebody bro just tap in exactly. and, and let them know that you care about them. That that go a long way, bro. That's all our listeners today, man. Appreciate y'all tapping in. Uh, be on the lookout for the book, Winners Adjust, September 3rd, right? Yes, sir. September the 3rd. September the 3rd is going to be available, man. I'm going to shoot out the link when it's available. Uh, it's going to be on my website, on my social media, so look out for that. Uh, appreciate y'all tapping in today. Until the next time, let's double up.